Let us pray. Father, we thank you that you call us to walk with you, even with Jesus, Jesus, our Savior and Lord, as friend would walk with friend. We know that that is all by your grace. So, Lord, fill our hearts with gratitude. Fill our hearts with awe. Fill our hearts with obedience, we pray. And may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Well, you may be seated. Good morning. And David, thank you for selecting that hymn. We did... We coordinate in terms of scripture readings, but David didn't know what I was preaching on this morning specifically. My sermon today is entitled, Are You His Friend? And I love the way that the Lord arranges and orders and ordains things. Obviously focusing this morning primarily on our gospel reading, John 15 is a text that is just packed, packed, packed with, with God's truth. It's a rich passage. This passage that took place, the words of Jesus on the night that he was betrayed, some of his last words to his disciples. And I want to focus this morning on the aspect of this text, friendship with God. In John chapter 15, verse 15, Jesus says to his his disciples gathered in the upper room on that night, I have called you friends. What an incredible truth to fathom. Think about that. That Jesus Christ, the eternal son of God, would call these disciples of his friends. Yet this is not only for that moment, but it transcends that time and comes down even to our time. And it's not the first time in scripture where we see that God calls a mere mortal his friend. Looking at the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 41, verse 8 tells us, But you, Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I have chosen, the offspring of Abraham, my friend. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 7 says, or asks the question, Do you not, Did you not? Our God, drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend. Then in Exodus chapter 33, verse 11, we read that the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. What an incredible and awesome truth to know that we can be God's friend. And Jesus is clear that his disciples, those who truly know him, those who know him as Savior, who are fully trusting in him, are indeed his friends. And again, that is not true only for the New Testament era, but it holds true for the Old Testament and it holds true even to this day. The idea that a man or a woman could be a friend of God was in many ways a foreign concept to the people living in Jesus' time on earth. And and quite frankly, it is still a quite foreign concept to many people in the world in which we live too, especially friendship in a true biblical sense. You kind of have two extremes that we see playing out in our culture in this regard. 
First of all, you have the popularity, which I talk about from time to time, of spirituality or being spiritual but not religious. And with that kind of thinking that is so endemic in our culture is no concept of intimacy or fellowship with Almighty God because so much of that way of thinking and that that mindset is rooted in Eastern religions for those of you that know anything about Eastern religions, such as Buddhism and Taoism, there is no concept or belief in a personal God at all. It's non-theistic, meaning that God is not a personal being. We need to be very careful because that kind of thinking is around us in the culture everywhere we look, and we need to guard carefully against that ever creeping into any ways that we think about the one true God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. On the other end of the spectrum, in in some Christian circles, we see people that have almost a flippancy toward God as they speak of God. Because yes, God is our friend, but it's a specific kind of friendship and God is not our buddy in heaven or the man upstairs. And I, I despise those terms, so please understand that context in which I'm using them. And there's a flippancy toward the almightiness and the holiness and the righteousness of God. And we need to be careful not to fall into that kind of erroneous thinking as well. But here in John's gospel, Jesus gives his disciples and us a snapshot of what genuine friendship with God looks like. And the first thing we see in Jesus' teaching is that friendship with God is characterized by a unique and special kind of love. Look at verse 9 with me. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Friendship with God and friendship with Jesus, God the Son, begins by understanding the incredible love God has for us and accepting that love as a reality for ourselves. And what kind of love is it that Jesus has for us? Was the kind of love that called him to lay down his life for us? And it's the same quality of love which the Father has for him, the Father has for Jesus. It's the same kind of love that Jesus and his Father share. So when Jesus talks about this kind of love, he's not talking about something that is merely formulaic or a doctrinal statement. The kind of love Jesus is talking about here is about a relationship, an ongoing, developing, growing, deeply personal, intimate relationship. Just like he and the Father share. Verse 9 concludes by Jesus telling his disciples, now abide or remain in my love. Now I want to back up for a minute in John chapter 15, um, prior to the the verses leading up to our gospel reading this morning. And I want to read to you verses 1 through 9 of John 15. Listen how many times abide in me is used in these verses. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word, because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, 
neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Abide in me occurs five times in eight verses. The idea here is that friendship with God begins by abiding in, remaining fully and in an ever-increasing increasing way connected to Jesus, who is the vine, the giver of life. And friendship with God involves a unique, God-given kind of love. Second, friendship with God is characterized by a love which is demonstrated. It's a love which will be evident. Friendship with God, as I've already mentioned, is not something cultivated merely by hearing to some sort of a formula. Jesus here in John 15 tells us what this godly love and friendship looks like. In verses 10 through 14, putting it another way, Jesus says, if you are my friend, I'm paraphrasing, it will be obvious. It will be noticeable to people around you. Just as my close bond with the Father is evident to you. When we look at 10, verses 10 through 14 of John 15, there are two specific ways in which being a friend of Jesus is observable, how it is demonstrated. When we are Jesus' friend, it is observable in the way that we relate and respond to him and our lives. So how exactly is this friendship demonstrated? How is it evident? Well, the first way our friendship with God is evident is that we obey Jesus' commands. We obey Jesus' commands. Verse 10 If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So how do we abide, walk in, and live out God's love and show that we are his friends? Brothers and sisters, it's very simple. We obey God. We obey God. Jesus puts it even more plainly in verse 14 where he says, you are my friends if you do what I command. There's nothing complicated about what Jesus says here. When we know Jesus as our savior, when we are supernaturally united to him by the spirit of God, he empowers us. He gives us the power to obey his commands, to live obedient and godly lives. And the reality is this, brothers and sisters, the more fully we are connected to Jesus, the more we're united with him, the more we abide in him, the more fully we will be empowered to walk in obedience to God because the strength and the power to do that doesn't come from within ourselves. It comes from the spirit of God doing his good and gracious work in us. How's that happen? By spending time by spending time with the one we love, the one who gave his life for us, by spending time in his presence, by spending time in prayer, 
by spending time in worship and meditation, listening and learning to attune our ears to the voice of the Spirit of God. If we love Jesus and if he is our friend, then it will be our desire to obey him. It's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of our interior lives. It's interior, but it shows up outwardly. The converse is also true. It is plain to see if we live a life or live a, in a, a life which is a pattern of disobedience to Jesus, it's a clear indication that we really don't know him and we, by our choice, are not God's friends. thinking about some of my personal friendships and examples, and I will use two, two of my very best friends. One is my very, very best friend, but my friend Jay, who lives up in Maryland, uh, we don't see each other in person all that often these days because he's 90 some miles away. But we communicate pretty much every day, at least by text. He's my accountability partner. And our lives are an open book. There's deep trust there. Even though we're apart, we still very much spend time together. And that friendship has developed in such a way that we really can know what the other one is thinking before we even say it. Does anyone else have any friendship or can identify with that? But that comes over time with deep trust and spending time with that friend. Then I also think of my friend Matt, who I don't see very often. He is a missionary in Cambodia, you know, half, literally halfway around the world. It's, it's easy to set up a WhatsApp conversation with Matt because there's a 12-hour difference. So I can talk to him at 8 o'clock in the morning, and it's 8 o'clock at night in Siam Reap, Cambodia. But Matt and I, despite the distance, are very close. We talk probably once every six weeks or so, and it's usually a marathon session when we talk until it gets to be midnight or one o'clock in the morning in Cambodia. But we work to stay connected. And it's the kind of friendship where even though we don't see each other in person, except maybe once every two years, when we are together, you just pick up where you left off as if you had a conversation a couple hours ago. And in both those cases, I want to honor and to bless my friends. When we are genuinely a friend, we want to bless that person, to bless and not grieve or harm, but to do things that honor them. And the same is true in a much more profound sense in our friendship with God, as Scripture calls it here in, as Jesus calls it here in John 15. We want to walk in intimacy. We want to walk in a way that we have grown to understand the heart and the mind of God. And we want to bless this one who is both our Lord and our friend. In 1 John 5 verses 2 through 4, we read this. By this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. Do you hear that? That's the friendship piece. That's the piece of being conformed to the image of Christ. It's not burdensome for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. When we are walking in a real and vital relationship with God, the son, Jesus Christ, we know him as our savior. We know him as our Lord. And we know him as our friend. And it's no longer a burden to obey him. 
It's a pleasure. And he has put in our hearts by the spirit of God, the desire to live for him. Our God's given desire is to please him and to live in a way that honors him and shows us those around us who he is and what he is like. We want to portray Jesus to those around us in the most best possible and most accurate light. Jesus continues in verse 11 by describing the purpose of obeying him more fully. And God's purpose in this is that we may know true joy. Did you hear that? That we may know true joy. God's will for us, brothers and sisters, is to know joy, God-given, God-breathed joy in all of its fullness. There is blessing and obedience that grows out of friendship with God. And continuing obedience leads to an ever deeper and growing friendship with God. It's kind of a reciprocal relationship. The more we press in with God and walk with Christ in intimacy, even appropriately as friend with friend, the more we are empowered to obey. And the more we obey, the more fully we walk with him as friend with friend. Good friendships that last are built. They require time. They require intentionality. I like what St. Alphonsus Liguori, most of you have probably not heard of him. He was an Italian bishop, writer, author, artist, composer, and founder of the Redemptorist Order in Italy in the 17th century, said about this. Listen to these words which appear on the screen. Acquire the habit of speaking to God as if you were alone with him, familiarly and with confidence and love, as to the dearest and most loving of friends. Speak to him often of your business, your plans, your troubles, your fears, of everything that concerns you. Converse with him confidently and frankly, for God is not inclined to speak to a soul that does not speak to him. Let me repeat that last line again. God is not inclined to speak to a soul that does not speak to him. Serving God, loving God, obeying his commands, living as his friends, even as Abraham and Moses did, as Jesus called his disciples to do, doesn't lead to some dull, cheerless, barren existence. Nothing could be further from the truth. Do you want joy in your life? Do you want a life of fruitfulness, meaning, and godly purpose and fulfillment? It only happens one way, by knowing Jesus, living for him in obedience to his commands, and you can trust him as your friend, as a friend. You can trust him. I can trust him. The final way in which our friendship with God is demonstrated is that is in the way that we treat others beyond in addition to and in addition to the way we act toward God. Focusing on verses 12 through 14, Jesus is clear that his disciples are his friends. And his friends don't only love him, they also love each other. Jesus showed them what this love looks like when he died on the cross where he laid down his life for them. The kind of love for friends Jesus speaks of here only comes by knowing him intimately. 
And it begins with friendship through friendship with him and then grows to our friendship with others. As believers, brothers and sisters, we are called to love each other and that we are willing, just as Jesus was, to lay down our lives for our friends, to lay down our agendas, to lay down our self-interest, even sometimes to lay down our opinions for the good of our friends. Laying down our lives for our friends can sometimes in the history of the church be applied quite literally. And other times it's figurative, but this is still what we're called to do. Applied in friendship where we are willing out of love for God and a God-given love for friends to die to self, to die to our own agendas, to our interests, our desires, and what we want to bless and honor our friends to doing that which is in our friends' best interests. And for earthly friends who may not be brothers and sisters in Christ yet, what greater joy than introducing a friend to who Jesus is. The eternal God who laid down his life for that person's sins. I was flipping through on TV a number of years ago, I went back and checked. It was actually um, 2014. And you'll understand how I can know this in a moment. Um, and as my wife would tell you, I can geek out on church stuff at times, um, whether it be online or whether it be on TV. And I was flipping through and I, I landed on EWTN. Folks familiar with EWTN. And it was actually the, um, the consecration of the new bishop of... Marquette, Wisconsin, John Dofler, who is actually about my age. And I was intrigued because here was this bishop, this man being ordained a Catholic bishop in his 40s, which is, is pretty young in the scope of things. And at the end of ordination ceremony, bishop's consecration, very similar to what you would see in the Anglican church. And in the, at the end of that service, it's the custom of the newly consecrated bishop to come out and to bless the people. And before he did that, Bishop Durfler went off script and just shared from his heart about some things. And he acknowledged immediately when he did this, you can still find this on YouTube if you want to listen to it. He went off script to talk about his heart and his desire for the people of the Diocese of Marquette. And he talked about bringing people who didn't know Christ into a true and living relationship with Christ. And he captured it in the end in these words. And this was his emphasis. And again, this was off script. He was speaking without notes. But he said this, and I thought this really captures the essence of things. Be a friend of Jesus. Make a friend. Introduce your friend to Jesus. And I know that's not original to him, but it was profound to hear him standing there and saying that in that moment, that that was his heart for his diocese and the people of his diocese. Be a friend of Jesus. Make a friend and introduce your friend to Jesus. About three years ago, there was a report, a story in NPR that I heard on the radio, and then I actually pulled it up online and I printed it out because it, I found it of great interest. This was actually three years ago last week. And it was an article or a story entitled, Americans are a lonely lot and young people bear the heaviest burden. That was the title of the story. 
And it was a survey that was done by Cigna Healthcare, one of the largest insurers in the United States, of 20,000 adults across the United States. Listen to some of these results. More than half of survey, survey respondents, 54%, said they always or sometimes feel that no one knows them well. 56% reported that they sometimes or always felt like people around them are not necessarily with them. And two in five felt like they lack companionship, that their relationships aren't meaningful, and that they're isolated from others. How ironic in our world of technology and supposed connectedness via social media. The bottom line is this, half of all Americans view themselves as being lonely. But even more profoundly is this, members of Generation Z, so this is the, the group of folks born between the mid-1990s and the early 2000s, they had an overall loneliness score in this study of 48.3%. Millennials, just a little bit older, scored about 45.3. Baby boomers, about 42.4. And interestingly, the people who were least lonely, which goes against all of our thinking in the culture, were people aged 72 and above that scored right at about 38% on the loneliness scale. There are scores and countless thousands of people around us right here in this community who are lonely. They feel isolated, alone, lacking in genuine human friendships, and certainly in many cases in friendship with Jesus, the one true God as well. And brothers and sisters, we have the answer. We have the answer. When we live as friends of Jesus, when we then make friends, and when we introduce our friends to Jesus' great and good Savior, who wants to walk with us as friend with friend. Friends of Jesus are those who walk in intimacy with him and whose life is a life of obedience to him in every way, including reaching our neighbors, reaching our friends with the good news of who he is. So I would conclude with this question. Are you his friend today? Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks that even in your glory and your righteousness and your holiness and your majesty, you call us to walk with you in intimate fellowship, abiding in you as friend with friend. Lord, pour your grace into us, into our families, into this church, into your church, the body of Christ, that we would walk in that kind of intimacy and friendship with you. And as we do that, Lord, fill our lives with your character. Fill our lives in a way that reflects who you are, that we walk joyfully in obedience to your commands. And that our lives in obedience to your commands also reach out in love to our friends, to our brothers and sisters in Christ, willing to lay down our lives and our agendas 
for our friends. And Lord, beyond that, fill our hearts with compassion and godly zeal for those who are outside of Christ, who are lonely, who are despairing, who are isolated, who feel like they have no meaningful friendships or relationships in life, that we would walk with them. And Lord, as we walk with them, that they would also come to know you, whom to know is life eternal. We pray all of these things in Christ's name. Amen.